subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Garrett and Matt are here with you today, and we're going to talk about some stats because a lot of people ask questions about, hey, what's going on in the market? What does this mean? And while we have probably driven into your minds, I hope that we have, that what the market is doing is important, but also in many ways irrelevant to the life change that's going on with somebody, still important to know what's going on. So we're going to talk about that. Before we dive into it, if you guys want to be a part of a bigger community, head over to Facebook and search for The Ninja Selling Podcast. You'll find our group there with over 12,000 people. And also, all of our coaches are in there commenting and, and answering questions, integrating with you guys. And there's also a ton of people who have a lot of experience with Ninja and real estate who are, who are collaborating in there. And there's a lot of newbies in there who are learning things. So just a great place to be. And if you're curious to learn more about Ninja Selling, of course, head over to ninjaselling.com where you can learn all about that. Well, let's dive in today, Garrett, because we got you know a shortened timeline here today a little bit, but we're going to go through some data because as of this recording, which is May 31st, we just got first quarter FHFA numbers. Now, I know everyone's like, well, that's two months behind. Yes, it takes them a little bit to get all the data together, but we're going to bring in some also current data to kind of parlay with this to kind of maybe shed some light, give you some talking points so that when people ask you the most world famous question, what's going on in the market? You have an answer. Good morning, Garrett. Yeah. The FHFA stats, I love them, by the way. I love them because it's real data tracked in, you know, as close to we can as real time as it takes to correlate the information as it comes in. It's tracked through real sales. And the information there for me gives me a real accurate timeline of what's going on in the marketplace. And there's a lot of people that go, oh, gosh, but it's it's off by a quarter. You know, we don't have the new stuff, the new things that are going on. I don't care. I really don't. <laughs> like, I, I need to know what's happening. Like, I get it. Well, and this is for trends more so than like, what's it mean right now? Because your MLS and everything is going to be your gateway to local, current, up-to-date information anyway. Yeah, I think I think of it like a cruise ship. So we have a cruise ship that's that's plowing through the ocean. And what happens is is this cruise ship, you can take the steering wheel and crank it all the way to the right. And it's gonna take a couple miles for this thing going full speed to start to adjust to this new direction it's going in. And that's how I look at like this. It's like I'm looking at like the internals of the cruise ship and saying, okay, where is the the rudder pointed at right now? What is the current speed that we're looking at? And by looking at all this stuff, I can get a sense of where this cruise ship is going to start turning to. And that's the beauty of it is you get a chance to really understand the market and the world that we're kind of dealing with here. And I love it too, because I love it when people say, do you Garrett, you don't understand. My marketplace is so different. We got this going on and we have this happening and this is what makes us special and unique and different than everybody else. And yeah, sure. I love that you love your area and you think it's special and unique and different than everybody else. But you know what? This is the cool part is Matt, as we were just talking earlier and we're going to go deeper into it today is that these are cycles and trends that we watch all these, you know, cities and states go through. And sometimes you're on the top, sometimes you're on the bottom. But in the big picture, 
we are all headed in the general direction. Yeah. Same direction. Like, so Matt, I'm excited we get to go through this today. The world's been through a lot in the last Ooh. couple of years. Oh, baby. And I love looking at this information. Well, I will say that for anybody who wants to look at the stuff that we're looking at, head over to fhfa.gov, scroll down to where it says latest house price index, and you can click on the button there. It'll take you to the house price index reports, and you're looking for first quarter 2023. So there's some monthly reports that they put in there too, but you want to see the quarterly report. And I don't even know if the new monthly report will be out by the time this is published. So it's probably going to be the first one up there. Well, and and Matt, I hate doing this to people because people are going to be like, oh my gosh, Garrett, you're doing what Matt does to us. But there's two <laughs> areas. There's the full-blown report, which is the 80 pages. And then there's another one in there, which if you go to fhfa.gov forward slash data tools, forward slash tools, forward slash pages, forward slash house price index. You can go and also find this through by going and clicking on tools under their site and looking for house price index. It'll lead you to the same place. There's an, an actual electronic manipulable site that you can go and click on the states, click on the cities, organize them by best to worst, organize them by I'll tell you what alphabetical order. We'll put the links underneath. No, no, this don't episode make it that easy, Matt. No, the... make them make them find it. No, it's fine. We'll put the links underneath the episode in the Facebook group to encourage you all to get into the Facebook group. Because there is a lot of other stuff that's really cool. We can spend an entire episode like playing with all the different tools and things that exist on the site, which is actually a lot of fun. It's really cool. Um, and can be used great for real estate reviews as well. But we're not going to talk about all that today. We're just going to dive into this report, which, Garrett, the first thing I always go to is the map. And this is the first time in a long time that I have seen states not colored in blue, which blue <laughs> means positive appreciation for the trailing 12 months. And anything not blue means not positive. Or, And we have many orange states here. <laughs> and this is this is not uh, a voting preference uh, map. This is uh, this is basically looking at uh, positive to negative appreciation. And Matt, you are a hundred percent right. We have been sitting in a place for a years right now that we have had one solid shade across this this map, or one solid color at least in different shades of it. We have oranges and browns and other colors that are coming into the spectrum here right now. And areas, this is what I find is really interesting. Areas, Matt, that have been on a really strong roll. Like they have had crazy, crazy, crazy appreciation. Some of those are getting hit the hardest right now. Yeah. And that's that's what's kind of interesting about looking at these numbers is that, you know, we always celebrate the moment. You know, I... Let's use Utah for example right now. <laughs> Utah has been on a crazy, crazy, crazy run for the last since since COVID hit. Uh, there was a lot of people that ran to Utah. Uh, a lot of growth that happened in that area. Nevada, also Colorado, Idaho, all these ones right around it. They had a lot of people move there. Uh, a lot of values got cranked up in bidding wars and all types of things. And everybody was like, "Look at our state. Everything needs to find an equilibrium." <laughs> And that's a little bit of what we're watching right now, Matt. And that's why I think it's great to see kind of what's going on here, because this is our market in real time finding equilibrium. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, using Utah as the example, which they are 
for those of you not looking at this sheet, they are at the bottom of the list in states this year with over a 4% decline over the past 12 months. And in the first quarter alone, almost a 3% decline in pricing or in their house price index, so to speak. However, there's also two other columns here to look at, which is the five-year and the since 1991 Q1 when they started tracking this stuff. And Utah is at the I mean, it doesn't show it in order, but when you just start looking at the numbers, you realize Utah is one of the highest states of since 1991 appreciation at over 550, 560. The five-year trend is over 71%. So Utah is still doing really well, whereas everyone like, oh my gosh, Utah's imploding. Look at this. Prices are down over 4%. This is this is crazy. Like people in Utah must be I mean, just going out of their minds. And it's like, well. I mean, maybe if they're not reading into the whole data, but after years of having really big growth, at some point you got to think, hey, there's probably going to be some pressure on the demand there. There's people are just going to say, I can't afford to buy these things. And once a lot of people have migrated from other states and that migration slows down, it would make sense that prices soften a bit, wouldn't it? Well, and Matt, here's what's important about knowing this information is, is that the media grabs whatever it can that's going to make an interesting splash. And they don't grab the positive stuff. They grab the negative stuff for the most part because it makes people go, oh no, what's going on? Freak out a little bit. So let's look at, I, I'm going to jump to Colorado for a second because Colorado is showing they're, they're in the negative also here. Yep. And when we look at their numbers, so they're at negative 1.1 for the year, the last 12 months. And I know there's people out there that are going like, that's not accurate. My area is having great appreciation. Like, this doesn't make sense. This thing doesn't, this it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> it's the entire state is what you have to look at because you can take that entire state of Colorado. And if you start looking at specific areas, Fort Collins, Colorado, last 12 months, 8.62%. 8.62% in positive appreciation in the last 12 months in a state that's down by 1%. Denver, 3.48. All right. That's not as good as the uh, the other one there. So in Fort Collins. So we got a little bit of a difference. Grand Junction, 9.6. So here we've got a couple areas already when we're talking about Colorado that are actually having really good appreciation, which tells me there are other areas, and I'm actually scrolling through different areas of Colorado right now, because Pueblo, Colorado, still 6.9. And you start looking through all these areas, and you're like, okay, so what is it that's offsetting it so much? And this is the research you need to do. The more research you do for your own personal areas, you now get a chance to sit down and have an educated conversation when your client's freaking out about the news headline. And you can be like, well, let's talk about what's really going on here. California is very much the same way. We've got areas that uh, are in the toilet and we got areas like Reading that are actually having some decent appreciation right now. And that's what you need to start to find because there's so many ways to help you understand this information. It's funny, I'm scrolling through Colorado, Boulder, 2.79. Uh, There's another one that I found here. I, I did not find anywhere in the negatives at all. And I guarantee you there's a much larger population around that is probably sitting at that like maybe negative one, negative two. That's enough population to offset the state. 
Oh yeah, there there certainly is. And and remember guys, this is trailing 12 months, so we're not just talking about the first quarter here. And well, using California as an example, it only takes a couple of areas of large population, large volume to drive something negative. San Francisco has been getting crushed the past kind of a few years now, and it's finally pulling the entire state down with it with, you know, double digit negative appreciation. Can you be a little bit nice to San Francisco? Like, I feel like you've got a lot of negative energy. You started before the podcast. I don't have negative energy. I have negative numbers. It's my hometown, born there. Like, I have major, I'm going to stand up. So why don't you live there, Garrett? It's expensive. Okay. Well, it's getting Love it, it's getting more affordable now because it the is. first quarter alone they were down over six and a half percent. You just wait. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy. I'm waiting. I think it well, it actually could be coming up to uh, I mean, if you look at the five year in San Francisco, twenty-two percent appreciation over five years, which is one of the lowest out of um the top one hundred metro areas. It's probably coming to the point where it's going to be like, hey, the buy ratings are going to start ringing the bells in in San Francisco for sure. But you know, those are the things that can bring a state down. So when you're looking for the state statistics, right? Don't just assume that that's what's going on everywhere else. However, it is a good conversation piece because these are the types of things that make headlines, right? These are the types of things that people read about and they go, "Oh gosh, the sky is falling." Um, I need to do something or not do something. And it's like, well, hey, let's look into the data a little bit further and see where these things are really happening. And here's what's interesting. And this is why I'm standing up for San Francisco right now, just because I can. <laughs> it's when you look at San, California as a whole and you see it off. What is the percentage that California's off right now, Matt? Because I'm looking at di- a different page. Uh, California is down uh, 2.86%. All right. Trailing 12 months. So Yuba City, which is a city north of San Francisco, kind of uh, northeast. I'll also say, I think we're mixing some. I just want to clarify when people go, oh, but this data is not 100. The numbers you're saying aren't 100%. So there's two reports. There's the stuff that Garrett was telling you to go to, which is the long, long, long thing where you have more data. It's also all transactions, meaning refinances are in there. Whereas the report that you can get that's the summarized report is purchase only mostly. So that will make a difference in some of the numbers too, just but not not a significant difference that it's changing our conversation. Just want to be clear about that. Yuba City off by three percent. Sacramento off by two point seven percent. Stockton off. This is negative two point three percent. Vallejo negative one point seven. These are all like out of two hundred and fifty one cities. California's got a lot here in the bottom. That's down just a little bit though, like down that much. It's not terrible. And it's really not. And this is where you got to also look at, and this is what's fun. If you go back to the main reports, you can pull up the history and you as an expert in your marketplace, go back and pull up last year at the same time, go back and pull up the year before that, the year before that, the year before that, and look at the changes that have happened with these cities. Because a lot of these cities in the past have had crazy, crazy, crazy appreciation now, a lot of this is it finding equilibrium. It's finding an adjustment. And as prices get too expensive, people go, why the hell am I living here? What, are, what is another option? What would force us to make an, another choice? Maybe a pandemic. Maybe we should look somewhere else. I know we'll go this direction. 
and they land there, they flood that area, prices get drawn up until people go, this is insane. Why would somebody pay this much for this property here? When you could live in California, look at how cheap it is there right now. Prices haven't been appreciating there for a while and they flood that area again and everybody bounces around and moves back and forth. And this is why it's so cool to know what's going on. Well, just to, um, you know, take a little pride here, too, since, you know, you were born in San Francisco and all. South Carolina, number one in uh, one-year appreciation. Just wanted to highlight that. Way to go, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Charleston area wasn't the top city in South Carolina, though. So state capital Columbia running that bus right there 10% over the past year, which is pretty significant. But Garrett, you know, looking looking deeper into this report, you know, if somebody wanted to have... Because I want to compare this to some recent headlines too that have come out. Um, when people say, hey, this data is old, what does this mean? And And what I think looking at this data helps with is understanding what current headlines are. When you see things like hey, Case Shiller is saying that home price declines may be over, right? They came out and said, hey, we had this drop, which is a lot of the stuff that you're seeing here first quarter, which makes sense, by the way. You have January and February in there, which are typically slower months for sales, increasing months for showing activity and demand running up to then closings happening March, April, May, right? Mm -hmm. And so Case Shiller is saying, hey, based on new data, we think that the price declines that a lot of places are seeing and they're talking nationally and for state specifically, maybe over. And we might be just kind of going here. And Garrett, you were talking at the beginning, uh, before we started recording, this fun chart that we like to look at, which is the um, the line chart of the HPI over time. And right now at the top, we've got this like weird like mountain plateau that's pointing upwards again. Yeah. So, okay. This chart, by the way, it's number nine and uh, eight, nine, nine, eight, nine. I think one of them zoomed in on this chart right. in this report. This is one of my favorite graphs because it tells a story. And you can follow back from when the banks failed to when we finally bottomed out after having the huge slide after the banks failed. That was 2000. 11 is when we typically saw that. You can see bailout money that was thrown at that, trying to save that decrease that we saw. You can see when the pandemic hit. You can see when the interest rates started to spike and inflation went through the roof. You can barely see when the pandemic hit. Now it's almost. Oh, I know. It's like it's like just fading away. But then you have this area where it started to drop. This is just recently after we had the inflation reports and we had all the interest rates spike, and we saw this downward slide. And there was a moment in there, Matt where this report came out and you could just see a little tail that made it look like that downward slide had stopped. And I remember telling everybody that's the most important piece of data we have right now because that did that on its own. It started to make that turn on its own. Now, we've had some interesting things happen since it's made that turn. We had some banks that had some issues and stuff, but it didn't seem to affect that line. That thing kind of bumbled straight out there, flatlined out again. And currently right now, just as you said, Matt, here we are seeing it start to creep back and point towards the sky again. And I'm like, my goodness, like this is the marketplace working on its own here for the most part. Well, yeah. Untampered with, <laughs> as you said. I think what's, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this too. Like this, these are just pricing numbers. I mean, these are fun to watch because this is one of the most important factors that gets put into a decision for someone buying or selling a home, right? Mm -hmm. Or even 
refinancing because how much equity is in that home? So th- this is an important number, but what is behind all this also matters. And this is where you get to go look into your local markets. And I would say watching some of the bigger reports that are that are more up to date, whether it's Case Shiller, S&P, even what some of the builders will say, because they have a, I would say, a pretty good idea of what demand looks like because they're always trying to be one step ahead of the resale market. But there's mortgage rates behind this. There's available inventory and the quality of that inventory that's behind this. There is what I like to call the unseen or hidden demand that we never get to actualize because we only can actualize properties that go under contract. We don't see that, oh, there was five offers, six offers on that property. There's five people who are going home without a property after that negotiation or that yep. that thing there. So there's all that too. And so when and that's where we look at then, okay, mortgage applications. What's going on there? Because that can give us an idea of the unseen demand. And when you see things like mortgage demand drops to lowest level in many months, um, when you talk to mortgage brokers saying they're having one of the slowest years that they've ever had, it's like, oh, okay. So there's a lot less people looking to buy homes. However, how does that compare to the amount of homes that are available? And you look into some of these other charts, which if you look up the Kansas City Fed, they put together some really, really cool charts too. You can almost get a chart for anything that you want. And you look at available inventory and it's like so darn low compared to you know even the 05, 06, 07 when things were going crazy. There was still a lot of inventory during that boom compared to what's out there today in terms of actively available homes on the market. And that drives pricing as well. So when people say, I don't understand how the pricing is tipping back up with all this crazy stuff, it's like, well, if there's if demand is not down as much as available homes for people to buy, we still have a discrepancy between supply and demand, which is going to drive prices up. Well, and here's an interesting thing too, Matt, that we don't necessarily get to see because it's not documented. It's not documented necessarily through the loans and the applications and whatnot, is that if I talk to all of our coaches, and I've actually pulled a lot of people that I currently coach, I coach upwards of 35 semi-people around the United States, the amount of them that will tell me that that they're seeing a higher than average amount of cash offers is way higher right now than we've seen in a long time, especially in the upper end marketplace, we're seeing large amounts of cash continued to be moved around. They're not applying for loans. They have made a decision that they are going out and paying cash for a house. They've got the money sitting in the bank. They feel more comfortable having it sitting in a house than sitting in a bank right now. And they are buying properties. So it's like, you got to take that into account too. It's like all these numbers have a story behind them. And this is about, again, I go back to be educated, educate yourself because you're going to have people that are your consumers out here that are confused and they're trying to hear the headlines. They don't know what this all means. And the more data you have that you can sit down with them and say, let's talk about this. By the way, I'm an expert. This is what I do. I'm not talking (laughs) about me. I'm talking about all of you who are listening. Yep. Your job is to be an expert in this information so that you can give them the data they need so they can make smart decisions. There's great reasons to be a buyer out here right now in this marketplace. There's great reasons to move. You don't have to be frozen. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be sitting there going, oh my gosh, what do we do? I guess we'll just stay here in this house that doesn't work for us anymore. There's so many reasons to pick up and move forward with your life, but confusion will stop people dead in their tracks. And if you can't help them find clarity the other side of it, 
you might be finding yourself another job. Well, and I think that's, and we've done an episode on this um, FHFA stuff before, but I, I think I want to highlight, this is why it's important to look at this stuff. Not because you're going to draw a outrageous conclusion from looking at one report, but it's going to give you another piece of the puzzle for yourself. So that when you're talking to your clients, when they're asking you about what's going on with real estate, if you're looking for content to create for your people, which by the way, this is great information to help you have valuable content that goes out to your people. Like when you're looking at that autoflow email that you're sending out every month, right? If that is just a, hey, click here and look at all this stuff, which could be great. But if it's just collated of all these articles and there's no opinion from you, you're missing a big opportunity to say, hey, I've looked at this information and here's what I'm seeing. And here's what it could mean for you. Particularly, like let's take New Orleans as an example. I have a client down there, Lane Washburn, fantastic agent. And she has been talking about, hey, well, we've been having some kind of challenges with pricing and everything and, and demand. Well, New Orleans and Louisiana got dropped by a lot of homeowners insurance carriers, which nearly doubled everybody's insurance. Flood insurance, right? Isn't that what they dealt with down there? It's like a lot of flooding. Is that, yeah. am I wrong on that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. New Orleans has obviously a lot of bad history of flooding, Katrina's, things like that. But when you look at an insurance policy doubling, and we're talking thousands of dollars a year, it goes up. That makes a big adjustment in somebody's payment. Because instead of, you know, it could make hundreds of dollars of difference in their payment, which all of a sudden changes their affordability, combine that with an interest rate that's going up, you have a much bigger swing in demand happening in a city like that than in other cities, right? So these are those little micro things that you get to look at and say, hey, here's why these places might be, you know, you can see this place operating differently than our place. The other interesting thing, we I mentioned this since 1991, we talked about states. But if you go, and this is the purchase-only information, if you go and look at the best and worst metropolitan areas, best and worst. So the the best, aside from Miami, just absolutely killing it. Um, since 91, almost 600%. A lot of these top areas have 224, 166, 204, 212, 161, 324. A lot of 200s, a lot of 200s really in the top 20 since 91 that are seeing this one year of double digit appreciation going to the bottom, Yep, including San Francisco here since 91, 411. Austin, Round Rock area, 620%. You have a cup, you know, one 200, but then 400s, 400s, 500s, 600s, 500s. A lot of the bottom one year now, you know, minus 10, minus eight, still have some of the highest since 91. So there are some market swings that happen too that what I look at this and say, hey, cool, these places are coming down. There probably is, if you're an investor anyway, going to be an opportunity here to buy in because look at how their long-term trends just stay bruising, right? Oh, yeah. We're good on the positive front long-term. So... This information shouldn't be used to freak anybody out to get them to buy or sell something right now. It's just used to help them paint a picture. So somebody had asked Garrett, I don't know if it was in our podcast group or this was conversation we had as as coaches or something like that, where agents are getting scared to do real estate reviews right now because I might be showing somebody Chicken. information where their home value has gone down. This since 91 and the five-year trend is the stuff you point to and say, hey, you know, I know you guys might be feeling a little stressed, but long-term, you're going to be great. 
Plus, if you're making your payment, you love the house and every all the other reasons why you bought this house is working for you, fantastic. Because the house that you were in would be going down too anyway. So, okay. So I know we're going to deviate. I got two things here I want to talk about. One is thank you for bringing up the homeowner's insurance stuff because I'm in an area that half of us got dropped by homeowner's insurance here just in the last couple of years because of the fires that we have. We've all been dealing with some crazy, crazy, crazy. State Farm just announced ceasing new applications in California as well, just last week. We also just had a company that just came in and said, we are your insurance company. We're going to take all of you guys. We have a plan. We understand how to do it. And it's going to drop everybody's rates specific, potentially. So like, we're all sitting around going, whoa, okay, we have a, we have a, a fix now. Those things will affect areas and appreciation because you're not taking into an account maybe you know five to eight thousand dollars a year you're paying for homeowners insurance to live in the area that we live in so that's one thing to consider so matt thank you for bringing that up the other thing that i think is interesting is when you're watching some of these cities that have had these huge spikes i've watched missoula montana and i have lived in missoula montana and missoula is another city second to san francisco that's near and dear to my heart they had a crazy, crazy, crazy run through these last couple of years. And there are people, and when we talk about real estate reviews and these marketplaces that we've been able to do these real estate reviews, and I, I know I'm going to point this out too. There's a lot of people that even when the market was great, wouldn't do real estate reviews because they were like, oh, I just don't, I don't understand them. And now the marketplace is going down and your new excuse is, I don't want to give people bad news. Stop with the excuses. <laughs> I'm over that. What you do need to decide is, do I want to be the expert of information for my clients? Do I want to be the one that has the deep smarts about the marketplace that keeps them informed so they can make smart decisions? I don't care if the marketplace is up. I don't care if it's down. Unless you sold them their house saying, this is going to be an amazing investment for you. That's on you. We never want to say that. You never want to sell a primary residence as this is going to be an incredible investment. It's going to be an amazing home. And I'm going to keep you informed as you are a homeowner as to what's happening with this property. And then Matt, yes, long-term, let's look at the numbers. You can't look from year to year to year because the average homeowner is going to live in that house anywhere between four to eight, nine years. Yeah. Don't get caught in the short-term stuff. We need to look at the long-term picture. So... um, be their expert. Do not run away from real estate reviews. And if you're telling people that their home is going to be an incredible investment for them, that's on you. You set the stage. You created the picture there for them. And now, yes, you are going back saying, oh, this amazing investment that I helped you buy, it's lost money in the last 12 months. And I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to you know your primary residence is not a investment, a, a strictly financial investment. Can it have financial rewards? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciation is a beautiful thing. But if we're driving people to buy primary homes for investment purposes strictly, then you know we you need to do a different math on that. Yeah. So so all in all, yeah, Garrett. There's so much stuff here. Um, I know we bounce around a little bit on this, but I look at this and I go, okay, cool. Some realized corrections that I think. You know, people have been waiting to see and actually document. Combined with, uh, still, I would say, if you like prices going up, positive outlook on that. Here's what I'll be curious, Matt. And I do want to circle back around to this: is that 
when we look at the next report that comes out, I'll be curious to see if there's the same amount of blue, less blue, or more blue. Yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be more blue. I have a feeling some of these ones that have dipped, we're actually going to see them start to come up a little bit here. The the national trends are showing that. It'll be I'll be curious to see if people start kind of like looking at those areas of someplace they want to start spending more money in. Yeah. Until then. We get to wait. That's the beauty of this report. You take what it is, you interpret as much as you can, you wait for the next numbers to come out so you can re-educate yourself and help your people out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of this. So we'll go check out this stuff, guys. Well, again, if you go into our Facebook group, we'll drop the links there and enjoy it. If you've got questions about it too, post them in our Facebook group. Yeah. Because I think, you know, that's where we can really have some fun conversations about data, which can be <laughs> explained 20 different ways. Um, but maybe through conversation, you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how I really should be interpreting this or could be interpreting something through some conversation with your fellow colleagues in there. So thanks, Garrett. Well, with this being said, Matt, thanks for joining me on this journey today, as you always do. What what episode are we on right now? We're we're like... This is episode 468. Woo! All right. So we've been doing this for a little bit. Thank you for joining me 468 times and uh, putting a podcast episode together here. For all of you listening, thank you so much for joining us. There's tons of content that we've created 467 times before this one. So you have lots of things to go back and listen to if you'd like to. And um, I appreciate all of you. If you want to learn more about what uh, Ninja Selling is, go to ninjaselling.com. If you want to learn more about our coaching program, uh, Matt and I help a lot of people around the United States. We've got 30 coaches that help people specifically with Ninja and building and growing the life and business that they want customized to them. We have an incredible program there to help you grow your business where you want to go. That's available. Check us out through ninjaselling.com. And if you want to find like-minded people like yourself, as Matt mentioned earlier, go to Facebook, to the podcast community, which is the Ninja Selling Podcast, and you'll find lots of like-minded individuals who love Ninja just as much, maybe more than you do. We have some diehard people in there, so go check it out. And until then, Matt, thank you. All of you, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Catch you later. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.